Hey, pretty people. So writing books is not the only thing that I do. On my website, I also have an eShop where I sell things like cute animal pillows, candy-themed AirPod cases, Pokemon building block sets, and more. And the shipping is free. Also, if you subscribe to my email list, you'll get a 10% off coupon for everything currently available. I occasionally do giveaways that are exclusive to subscribers, so don't miss out. Sign up today. The Demetrius Show podcast covers a variety of topics concerning mental health. This occasionally includes topics such as depression, anxiety, eating disorders, and thoughts some people may find distressing to hear. Listener discretion is advised. Each episode dealing with mental health is meant to be a general discussion and not meant to take the place of advice or treatment from any licensed medical professional. If you are needing mental health advice and or treatment, please speak with a mental health professional. So I think a lot of people, when they are getting started with their PhD, or even when they're kind of already getting started and they're kind of in the thick of it, um, what they don't realize is how different it's going to be from previous degrees. So a grad degree is much more involved and there's a lot less support. There's a lot more expectation for independent working. First things first, I am team hashtag protect black women. If you follow me on social media, you know I don't play when it comes to my advocacy of Black women, whether it's in the dating arena, dragging some of you dust bunnies, or speaking about the heightened levels of violence and mental and emotional trauma Black women experience in society. Growing up, I was blessed to be surrounded by beautiful, brilliant, hardworking, and talented Black women. There was my mother, who is one of my superheroes, and where I get my drive and determination from. Nothing stops that woman, no matter what, she always keeps pushing and going after it. There's my grandmother, who taught me what it means to have empathy and care about people. Really, she's the reason I wrote my book about self-esteem and wanted to do things like this podcast in the first place and to become a mental health advocate. My aunts and older cousins were always so nurturing and warm, always providing an environment of safety and comfort. All of these women are incredibly smart and capable, despite society largely trying to convince them otherwise. On today's episode in particular, we'll be diving into Black women pursuing higher education, particularly those who are PhD students and or PhD candidates. What are some of the challenges that they face, the barriers to entry, and their success stories? Well, we're going to find all that out today, so let's get started. Welcome to The Demetrius Show, where I learn how to walk through my shadows, picking the flowers I've grown through sheer resilience. And I may not know enough yet to start teaching, but I'm going to keep convincing you to keep pushing. I'm Demetrius, and this is my life after speaking. So, friendly reminder, Black women are smart as hell. That's not up for debate. According to the Journal of Blacks in Higher Education, in the African-American community, Black women currently earn about two-thirds of all bachelor's degree awards, 70% of all master's degrees, and over 60% of all doctorates. Despite the odds, they succeed, even in a society that does not value them as much as they should even in a society where they often feel as though they don't get the support that they need. We'll talk more about mental health with regards to the Black community and Black women in particular, but I want to highlight 
that while women experience depression at rates that are twice as much as men, according to the Psychiatric Times, Black women are only half as likely to seek mental health care. This is mostly due to the stigma in our community regarding mental health care, but according to the Psychiatric Times, it can also be due to their previous experiences with mental health treatment. All that to say, when these women begin pursuing higher education, it can be difficult to not only find ways to cope with the stress that comes with academia, it can be even more difficult to ask for help or feel that you'll be supported. Even I struggled with this when going to college and stepping into the workplace after college. There's this feeling of always having to be on guard, no matter the environment, and it gets exhausting and it just gets to you. I have two guests today, Dr. Jen, a dissertation coach, and my dear friend Celeste, a PhD candidate and the host of her own podcast, The Slayless Show. And thanks to Dr. Jen, I have a special offer for you all today. If you're a grad student struggling with any of the challenges discussed on this episode, you can email her at jen at readwriteperfect.com. Mention you heard about her on The Demetrius Show, and she'll schedule a free session together to get at least one problem off your plate. I mean, that's a pretty good deal, if you ask me. So naturally, I wanted to pick her brain a bit on what she encounters when she's interacting with the students she helps out. So let's bring her on. My name is Dr. Jen Harrison. I'm the founder and CEO of Read Write Perfect, which is a dissertation coaching business. Um, and in the business, I try and give my students the one-on-one -on -one attention and support that they need to get their dissertations done and that they don't always get from their institutions. If anyone wants to find me, they can find me on my website, which is www.readwriteperfect.com or on Twitter. Um, and my handle is at perfect underscore right. So um, I'm one of those annoying people that always wanted to be a teacher and used to kind of harass my cousins and my siblings to teach them things. <laughs> um, I went to the United Kingdom to do my literature degree and I earned my PhD there as well. So I taught in university there. I trained as a secondary school teacher. I taught as a secondary school teacher. I ran a homeschooling business. And then after my kids were born, we decided we needed a country with more space than the UK because I have two ADHD children. So we, um, we moved back here where my family are. After moving to the US, I taught at my local uh, state university for about five years. And then COVID happened. And as we all know, COVID changed everything. Um, it especially changed what the higher education landscape looked like and what teaching as a university professor looked like. And at the same time, I saw that students weren't really getting the support that they needed from their institutions, especially after we switched to quite so much um, remote learning for, you know, a year or more. And that was when I decided to start the coaching business. So now what I do, I coach, I do the same work that I was doing at the university, but I do it privately for students who are struggling to get their degrees done and need that little bit of extra help. Wonderful. Wonderful. So in helping people with their dissertations, what are some of the concepts that people in general struggle with? So I think a lot of people, when they are getting started with their PhD, or even when they're kind of already getting started and they're kind of 
in the thick of it, um, what they don't realize is how different it's going to be from previous degrees. So a grad degree is much more involved and there's a lot less support. There's a lot more expectation for independent working. And I think a lot of students don't realize that when they get started and the institutions aren't very good at pointing it out before you start or helping you transition to it afterwards. So a lot of people struggle with motivation. They struggle with actually knowing what they're supposed to be doing. You know, what should this degree, what should their work, what should the standard look like? And they struggle as well with advocating for themselves and asking for the help they need. And um, a lot of people struggle with imposter syndrome, you know, feeling like they don't belong there because they don't know what's going on and what they should be doing. And things like motivation and time management, um, all of these are kind of things that every student I see is struggling with you know, the, the lucky ones are the ones that realize that they need some help and reach out for it, but others continue to just kind of fight their way through hoping for the best. Okay. So in our discussion before today's episode, we were highlighting the struggles that African-American women face when they are looking to complete their dissertations. Can you kind of speak to that? You know, it's really interesting because I wouldn't necessarily have predicted this before I started the business, but probably 98% of the students that I work with are African-American women. Most of them are already, you know, they already have degrees. A lot of them already either have um, really high positions in the business world or they run their own businesses. So they're very smart, really passionate, really driven women. And they're really invested, um, most of them in using their talents to make the world a better place. So they have um, really specific interests that have driven them to do a graduate degree. And what I'm finding with these students is that more so than my any other students that I encounter, they really do face that imposter syndrome. And it's fueled by years of fighting sexism and racism, you know, through their previous degrees, through the, the struggles that they face to get to where they are in their current professions. They know they're talented, they know they're smart, they know they know their stuff, but they've faced kind of so much opposition. And um, they've had to prove themselves over so many times that it's very easy when they get into that higher education situation to feel like they don't know what they're doing, that they don't belong there, especially when, as I said, these institutions are not very good at providing support. They're not very good at recognizing when students need some tuition or when they need um, a little bit more guidance than they're getting. And then I have actually had a number of students who are facing outright racist discrimination in their institutions as well, although that's kind of a whole nother story and a bigger problem and probably more than we can cover in one session. Of course. Well, I mean, what are some ways that you, some main ways that you advocate for your students and that, or the people that you're assisting in those scenarios? Advocate is exactly the right word. Um, I think that is the, the top thing that you can do is advocate for yourself. You know, be willing to stand up and say, I need this help and I deserve this help. You know, you should be giving it to me as the institution that I'm paying to um, support me in this degree. You know, I shouldn't be having to struggle and find my own way. Please tell me what I need to do. Please give me the support I need. Please teach me how to do this thing. So that's, you know, that's the, the top thing that I would say needs to get done. Now, it's really hard for a lot of students to do that. A lot of students don't like to rock the boats. Mm -hmm. So I hear that again and again, especially, like I said, from my students of color. Um, they are used to having to fight for what they want, but they're either very tired of having to do that and they just want to get done. You know, the degree is expensive, it's time consuming, it's energy consuming, and they don't want to create waves. They want to just get done. So it can be a struggle sometimes to say, well, you know what, if I do 
just want to get done, I may have to make a few waves initially so that I can have a smooth ride later. So that is one kind of discussion that I often end up having with these students. And then okay. the other thing is to, you know, if, th if that doesn't work and if you're still not getting the help that you need inside your institution is to reach out outside of your institution. So draw on your family network, draw on your network of friends, find mentors within your industry, basically find your people, know who they are, and don't be afraid to ask them for help whatever help they can give you. Um, I think those are the top two things I would say. Yes, because I can imagine it's very mentally taxing just in general. And I can speak to the when you're talking about when they don't want to kind of rock the boat and they feel like they have to do take it all on themselves. As a Black queer individual, I have experienced that as well. And it took me such a long time to learn that it was okay to not know something, especially in the workplace, yes. yeah. to not know something and to make it known that I don't know something <laughs> to my superiors. Because we go into these positions and these environments and we are very conscious of the depictions that we uh, that are often associated with us. And so Definitely. we forget to that it's okay to be humanized at times and make mistakes. Yes, we are drawing from many of us experiences that we've had where we unfortunately could not make the same mistakes as our peers and be given the same amount of grace. Yes. And I think that is what drive, I believe that's what drives a lot of that because it definitely did for me. And it took a long time, probably till about a few years ago where I finally was like, look, it's okay to not understand something and go to yep. superior and help get them to help you figure it out. That's what they're there for. You know, just like you were mentioning earlier, like, I mean, that's what they're there for. You're supposed to go and be able to ask them something and get a question and get the support that you need. Shouldn't be met with hostility. And and a lot of the time, you know, hopefully a lot of the time that w when you finally do work up that courage, you're, you're as likely to get a helpful response as you are to get a hostile one, especially depending on how you ask for that help and how you frame that advocacy for yourself. But, you know, one way or another, you, you have to do it because if you don't do it, then there's no way of knowing. Of course, I also wanted to get the perspective of a PhD candidate. So I invited my friend Celeste to speak on her experiences. I've known Celeste since high school, and she was as brilliant then as she is now. Her being this close to getting a doctorate is absolutely no shock to anyone who knows her. So I knew she'd be the perfect person to talk to about what it's like as a Black woman with years of experience pursuing higher education. So let's see what she had to say. Hey guys, so I'm Celeste Graham. I am currently right now a special education teacher and a doctoral candidate at Texas Women's University in the Department of Social Sciences and Historical Studies. I'm currently in the dissertation stage. That's like the final stage of my degree. I am writing and collecting research right now and I'm hoping to be finished with that by the end of this year. I really don't wanna go into 2024 still working on my degree. So I'd like to wrap everything up this year. And just basically, I have a podcast called The Slay Less Show, where I talk about intersectional issues that women face. And I'm also a stylist. I own a business called Bad Bees and PhDs, which is a styling and consignment business. And I'm also a mother to a very beautiful, soon-to-be five-year-old. And I think that beautiful. about <laughs> for me. <laughs> Wonderful. So let's, I have to brag. So the stylist portion of what you do is always phenomenal. If you, where can they find you on Instagram? 
So for styling, you can find me at Bad Bees and PhDs. That's on Instagram. I also have a website, badbeesandphds.com. And for podcasting, I am currently doing, I'm basically curating my podcast around a really famous book about Black women and reproductive justice called Killing the Black Body. And my podcast is called The Slay Less Show. I've dedicated all of season five to talking about that book. And we're actually about to start back up. And you can find me there www.thislayleshow.org. And these are very interesting names. So <laughs> I'll also type this information up and send it to Demetrius that you guys can actually see it on it's in text. But yes, that's where you can find all of my endeavors. Awesome. Yes. So clearly you can see she's very already distinguished and she will be even more distinguished in the coming months. So I'm very excited to hear all that. So about your academic experience, what made you decide to pursue a doctorate degree? So after I finished my master's degree, I was just very tired. I took a three-year break during at which point I began teaching in K-12 schools, had my daughter, and I was just really going back and forth about whether or not I should go to law school or I should get a PhD. And I kept thinking about, you know, what do I, what, what, what do I really want to do and what will lend me, I guess, more credibility in what I'm doing? And to be honest, I think if I had gone either route, I probably would have been fine. But I've always wanted to be Dr. Graham and to get a PhD. And that's been a goal of mine since I was like 16. After I had my daughter, I knew that I needed to be semi-close to my family just for support reasons. And so Texas Women's University has a reputation for being very hospitable to non-traditional students and to students who are not, you know, most people who are getting PhDs historically and traditionally, and I'm sure you know this, it's designed for, you know, single white men who don't have mm -hmm. many responsibilities. But obviously that wasn't my case. I've worked full time the entire time I've been in this PhD program, in addition to teaching collegiate courses and still teaching full time and being a mom. So it was really important for me that I found a program that was going to, you know, really see me for the most part and assist me, like, you know, regard me in a way that allowed me to be who I am and wasn't going to force me to take academia and make it the top, top, top priority in my life. Like it is obviously something that's very important, does require a lot of my time, has required me to sacrifice a lot, but also I didn't want it to be such a huge sacrifice that I felt like I wasn't able to be there for my daughter or be there for myself or, you know, maintain a healthy balance in my life. But to answer your question, just to kind of circle back around to why, what I research and what I'm writing my dissertation on is I talk about formerly incarcerated mothers of color and um, their experiences once they get out of prison. There hmm. is not a lot of qualitative research about this, um, which is what I do. I interview people. And what I want to do is ultimately lend a voice to people who don't, they don't have one. You know, me getting a doctorate and being able to publish your right puts me in a position to really do what I've always wanted to do, which is give voice to people who don't traditionally have one. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So speaking of the mother end of it, what was the, one of the biggest lessons you learned from being a mother and having to pursue your dream of obtaining your doctorate degree? Um, I would say just balance. Like I say this all the time. Um, I actually just submitted some work that is probably going to get published at some point this year about this. And I heard this saying one time, I've said this a bunch of times on my podcast, but knowing when you're juggling a bunch of different things, knowing which balls are rubber and which balls are glass, like which things can drop, which things are, you know, if I drop it, it's going to bounce back. I'll be able to pick it back up later. Or if I drop this, this is going to be catastrophic for my life, catastrophic for, mm. you know, my daughter's life, what I'm trying to do. And just really understanding that has helped me a lot with being able to prioritize 
I'm in my thirties now. So saying no is a lot easier than it was when I was in my twenties. I used to get very easily overwhelmed and people would come to you with all these different opportunities. You don't ever want to tell people no, because you want to do somebody a solid, you want to do them a favor. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you have to understand that, you know, when you're pouring from an empty cup, you literally have nothing left to give. So that's one of the toughest lessons I've had to learn. And what I'm all, I, I wouldn't say that I have necessarily like learned that lesson. Like I've come to the end point, right? This is a lesson I'm constantly learning as I enter into new chapters and different dimensions of my life, being able to kind of like understand what I can do, what I can't do, what I can do right now, what needs to wait. So I would say that's the biggest lesson I've learned. You know, for instance, my baby, got to be a mom, 100%, got to be there for my kid. Finishing this degree that has to happen because once it, once it, you know, I get to that culminating point where it's done, it's going to open up even more doors for me. It's going to put me in a position to really balance my my work in life the way I really want to and then of course you know everybody got bills I gotta go to work gotta Mm -hmm. go to work (laughs) gotta pay my bills so (laughs) obviously those are like the the three main things I the things I cannot when I'm juggling I can't let those things drop in pursuing your doctorate degree what are some concepts that you feel or maybe maybe you've noticed that people tend to struggle with um being a black woman in academia is such an interesting space to be in first and foremost i have been blessed to be surrounded by sisters who look like me who are doing things phenomenal research in a bunch of different areas but i also realize that we're like less than what two percent i don't even know if we're if we're even two percent of people pursuing and actually obtaining phd degrees i would say um these are still very white centered male spaces and even when you talk about women, um, when you talk about our queer family that is also within academia, it's still very white. People of color, specifically Black people, we are still in spaces where we'll, we'll be sitting at a table having conversations and someone will say something, someone who's not you know, a person of color, specifically if someone who's not even Black, they'll say something and they'll think it's so groundbreaking. The Black people at the table look at each other like, how did you not know that? <laughs> like, this is, our, this is our everyday life experience. Like, what do you mean? And so it's just those those uh, those aha moments where, you know, even though you're around people who are equally as educated as you or equally as ambitious, they still have a lot of learning to understand about what it means to be a black person in this country, in the world. So many different dimensions that you can that you can really dive into where you're having these conversations and you're constantly still having to educate people about, hey, like these are this is what it actually is. Like, I know you might think and you might conceptualize the world this way. But you've never taken into account how we see the world. And that's a very real, these are very real experiences that need to be discussed and need to be understood. Do you and your peers, if you know, feel that you get the support that you need? I have felt very supported throughout my time at TWU and in this in this doctoral program, specifically by my chair, who is an older white man from Georgia, Dr. James Williams. And he is amazing. He's the best chair in the world. Um he understands, you know, like, hey, you know, I work, you know, I have a baby, you know, like, you know, both of my parents uh, chronically ill that my dad passed away this past year. It's so that that delayed some deadlines for me, but he has always been very helpful and very kind in so much as like being a support system for me. One of the other professors that's on my uh, my committee, Dr. Paul Bones, is also amazing. He studies disability. And so he just, because of the things that he studies and just the person that he is, he understands a lot of like, when I'm genuinely like, hey, I can't do this shit. I'm tired. Like I, <laughs> you know, can I curse on here? I'm sorry. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> like, you know, and he understands like, you know, just the, the daily grind of life and how exhausting life can be. And like, you know, those times where I have to shut down. I'm like, you know, I'm shutting down for the day. I'm shutting down for the month. Like just recently, I worked very hard all last year. 
And so I told myself, you know, November and December are my months to just party, chill, watch movies, hang out, so on and so forth. Nobody on my committee, I told them, I was like, I'm not doing anything these two months, you know, Godspeed to y'all, but I won't be doing anything. I'll start back in January. And they were very understanding of that because academia is very, very demanding. Mm-hmm. You're, it's very fast paced. You're always doing something like just this month, like this month is my month to start back. And next week is like this entire month is jam packed with stuff. So yes, it's been, gracious. Yeah, it's been interesting. Uh, and, you know, and I keep, I keep saying this, but look, I'm literally dedicated to finishing this degree this year because baby, when I say I'm tired, <laughs> tired in multiple <laughs> ways um but i'm just ready to like be done with obtaining degrees for forever this is my third one i'm ready to be done for for you know forever so okay so for your dissertation what goes into writing your dissertation sure so for dissertation first and foremost you know we can do this like an order of like the way i'm actually writing it so first you have to introduce your topic. You need to understand typically when you go into a doctoral program ask to not waste time. You want to have a general idea of what you want to do, what you want to research, what area that you would like to go in, um, because that saves you a lot of time and money. Like when you're pursuing a doctoral degree, first off, they're very expensive to do, right? This is a huge financial undertaking. So you want to make sure that you're pretty clear about what it is that you want to go in and do. Um, you want to understand that so that you can tailor your schedule, your classes, your advisors, the people you want to serve on your committee, what you want to do, your qualifying exams, all everything. You want that to be as clear as possible. Not saying that you can't go into grad school with an idea and that idea be more sharp and to become more specific as you learn more things, you read more things, you research and write more things, right? But I think that's the first step. So for your dissertation, you're going to do introduction what are you talking about? You, want, you have to have a rationale. You know, why are you talking about this? What is this actually going to contribute to the field? Once you get to the PhD level, you're considered an expert in your field. And so you are trying to make some type of significant contribution to what has already been published, what's already been written. Black people in mass incarceration is not a topic that has not gone unnoticed. It is very, very popular, especially within the past 15 years. So now what I am doing is I'm focusing specifically on these women. A lot of these women that are getting locked up for 20 years, 15 years, 30 years, they're moms. How does this affect our our family units? How does this affect our communities, specifically in cities? And so then you want to do a literary review, literary, you know, what is what is the literature that's talking about this specific topic? What is it saying? What are you trying to say? Then you do your data collection. If you're doing quantitative data, you're looking at data sets. If you're doing qualitative data, you're talking to people. If you're doing mixed methods, you're doing a bit of both. You take all that information, you analyze it, you code it, and then you talk about your findings. You discuss what did I find in my specific research? How does it connect to the research that has already been published? It's already been done. And where, what are, you know, what are still the gaps in this field that other people, when they're going forward to research the same topic, what should they attempt to focus on? What should they attempt to find out? How can they take these ideas and essentially use them to further the pursuit of of having these really tough conversations about women of color, mothers being locked away in prison, then being released and having very, very few resources to really successfully readapt to freedom. Good. Very good. Okay. So that all sounds, you've mentioned how it's such a a huge financial undertaking, right? And I'm of course sure that it's also a mental and emotional undertaking. So how, (laughs) what are some ways that you had to sit back and gain a sense of self-care? 
I would say this past summer, this past fall, I really enjoyed like just having some me time. So I would go swimming a lot. I would go walking a lot. And just being physically active has helped clear my mind. It's helped me really regulate my emotions, uh, my stressors, and being able to kind of like, you know, identify those points where I feel overwhelmed. And this year I plan to cut out even more and not, and I want to say cut out, not like I am, you know, a little hesitant to say cut out because I thought that like you have to chip away at your life just to get something done. That's not exactly what I'm doing. I am cutting out things that don't really serve me in this season so I can focus on what I'm really trying to do. I want I would like to phrase it that way because there are things that I think can serve as distractions. You don't really know it's a distraction. But so for instance, one of the things I have I said no more shopping slash because I you know I love to shop. You know I love clothing and shoes. It's like don't shop anymore. You just sit down somewhere to you know Make sure you're getting, you know, an ample amount of sleep every night so that you can feel real rested. I love the streets, so no more streets for me for a little while until you know it's time for me to take my next break. <laughs> so just different things like that. Just you know, okay. Sure I'm planning my life in a way that really assists me in getting to the goal and meeting the bottom line. You know, very good, very good. Well, I guess my last question then is, what as a black woman or just black individual is something when you're pursuing this doctorate degree, what is one thing you feel that everyone needs to know? Go where you are supported and do not be afraid to speak up for yourself and to advocate for yourself and for people that look like you. That can be scary in some instances because you don't know what the outcome might be. But I will say history has shown us that if you're not, if you know, if no one speaks up, nothing's ever going to change. And the same continued abuses will continue to be perpetuated against people that look like you. So just be brave in your pursuit of like, you know, always speaking truth to power and go where you're loved and you're supported. Um, I cannot stress that last part of going where you're loved and supported. If you're going to go into a doctoral program and you have an idea of what you want to pursue and what you want to talk about, go where people are going to nurture those ideas and are going to help you find all the funding resources. Because that's the thing too about being a PhD student I've had so many cool ass opportunities along this journey that have just like fallen into my lap. Like I just published an op-ed this week, actually, in the Fort Worth Weekly News. I got to go to the op-ed project. And this is all because people, I was in a community where people saw something in me and were able to like, you know, they were able to call me forward. Like I've had publication opportunities thrown my way by my professors who were just like, you know, I loved what you've been doing in, in these different spaces. Would you like to be a part of this project? So just different stuff like that. I would say that all came from being in spaces where people are like, yes, like what you're doing is awesome. We want to support you. We want to put you in the best possible position. I know that there are not a lot of black PhDs. There aren't a lot of black professors, but there are, we are out here. We are out here. A lot of us are doing groundbreaking ass work. And so don't be afraid to really look and see what's out there for yourself because there's so many different opportunities. I know several people off the top of my head that are courting the idea of getting PhDs. And these are brilliant ass people. These are people who I ha- I think personally have, you included Demetrius. I know we've had this conversation a little bit mm-hmm. before, but there's, there's so many different things out there for you to do with a PhD, so many different things for you to research and write about. And there's so much, there's so many grants and so much money that it's just like the opportunities are almost boundless. A lot of people always ask me, what are you going to do when you finish your PhD? And my answer is always the same, whatever the fuck I want. I've mm-hmm. earned that. Um, literally going to take my resume, throw it up in the air, see where it lands. Whoever's offering me the best job, but the best money, the best opportunities is where I'm going to go. And I tell that, I stick to that. I 
feel very strongly about that. But yeah, that about wraps it up. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Demetrius Show. Reviews of this show help expand my audience size and reach new listeners. So be sure to rate it on your preferred listening platform so more people can know about it. Also, if you really love this show, be sure to subscribe to my email list so you can be the first to get news and updates about the podcast and more. And as always, be kind to yourself, be safe, and until next time.